Welcome to the MedTech Talent Lab, the number one catalyst for advancing careers and building high-performance teams. Sponsored by the Anthony Michael Group, helping companies secure in-demand talent in regulatory affairs, quality, clinical, engineering, R&D, and other areas for medical device, digital health, diagnostics, and other organizations across the U.S. life sciences sector. Here's your host, Mitch Robbins. All right, welcome back to another episode here on the MedTech Talent Lab podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Robbins, and I am the founder and managing director of the search firm called the Anthony Michael Group. We help organizations across the MedTech space, including medical device, digital health, and diagnostics organizations uh, to build high-performing teams primarily on the technical side of the business areas like regulatory affairs, quality, engineering. Uh, we've got a up-and-coming commercial division where we do a lot of mar- market access work, et cetera. We're here on a regular basis with the privilege of interviewing best-in-class leaders straight from the industry on all things talent-related. Today, uh, it's a gentleman that I am very fond of, I've known for quite some time, and uh, feel like he's got a lot of value to offer to our show. It's Mr. Joe Bertulli, the Director of Talent Acquisition at Annika Therapeutics. Now, Joe's been in uh, the recruiting and talent acquisition world for at least the last 14 and a half years, both on the agency side as well as, obviously, um, from a corporate standpoint. Uh, Joe's had the opportunity to work for companies like Monster, Dell, EMC, Perkin Elmer in our industry, and, of course, for the last few years, Annika Therapeutics. Now, if you aren't familiar with Annika, it's a global joint preservation company committed to delivering meaningful advancements in early intervention orthopedic care, including osteoarthritis pain management, regenerative solutions, soft tissue repair, and bone preserving joint uh, technology. So without further ado, Joe, welcome to the show, man. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mitch, and uh, appreciate having me on board. I'm looking forward to the discussion. Yeah, that's a long time in the making. We've got a lot of respect for you and what you've done to be able to help uh, Annika continue to build a world-class team. You know, I was thinking about this right before we went live with this show. You've been doing this for a long time, just as long as I have, as, as a matter of fact, a few months longer than me. How did you get into this business? How'd you get into recruiting? Yeah, it's a good question. It's something that, uh, you know, you don't you don't go to college and you don't go to school thinking, hey, when I get out of here, I'm going to be a recruiter, right? It's sort of something that and if you talk to a lot of recruiters, I think similar, you know, their story is similar where it just sort of fell in, into my lap. And I think it falls into a lot of people's laps. I think as school and college went on, I sort of set my sights on getting into something that was sales related in some way, shape or form. I don't think I really knew what that looked like until I graduated. And um, I started to apply to a lot of different positions. And there was a, a gentleman at Robert Half that called me uh, so I graduated college in uh, May of 2008, and then I got a phone call like a week later um, talking to me about Robert Half, and I had no idea who they were, what they did, what staffing was, and he said, that's fine. You know, just come in and sit down and meet with me. I'll talk to you a little bit more about that, and one thing led to another, and it was something that I, I fell in love with, you know, from day one, and I'm thankful that for that phone call because, you know, who knows where I'd be today if uh, if I never took the call or took the interview, and um, it's opened up a lot of doors for me. And I think from a professional growth standpoint and networking standpoint, so that was a challenging time in the world, 2008, but, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, something that to answer your question just fell into my lap and I'm, I'm happy that it did. Wow. That's awesome. You know, I'm a little bit 
older than you. I had some twists and turns before getting into recruiting, but that's really cool that this is literally like you start to cut your teeth straight out of college and never look back and kind of continue to um, morph into different versions of, of what talent acquisition is and what you do today. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah, you learn a lot from interacting with people, that's for sure. And, and um, you know, I think to uh, to start out in that type of environment and to in sort of an agency setting in a tough economic environment too was and looking back at it it was a great way for me to start in the moment it was a it was a struggle you know it was a battle yeah. every day to uh to get to where you are today but but yeah big time well and, and to start in a tough economic time like that helps you know the fittest so to speak build a really strong foundation that you can lean on when times get tough again because you always remember that experience and i think you also appreciate the good times a little bit more than others who maybe have started in a good time but let's jump into why you're here today we're going to be talking about candidate experience and uh, i'm glad that you're here for some input on this because i know you're doing a lot of great things with annika in terms of candidate experience but in a way it's really the latest buzz phrase right candidate experience. It's the new trendy thing to talk about. But I think, you know, I think it's important to not necessarily undermine the significance and the importance of what candidate experience really is. So let's, I guess, just dive in and let me get your perspective. If I was to ask you, Joe, what what is candidate experience? What does that mean? What would you say? Yeah, I think um, a candidate experience for me is, you know, the moment you've engaged with a candidate and you start to take them through the process of getting to know Annika a little bit better, getting to know this company, the people that work here, um, the opportunity and everything that comes along with, you know, working here at Annika, you know, and I think there's a lot that goes into it. I don't think there's ever really a, um, a blueprint for here's how to give a, a good candidate experience. If there was, then, you know, everyone would be going off that same playbook, but every company's different, you know, and I think different industries, different sizes of organizations. So you sort of have to, have to tailor that candidate experience to, um, to an organization. But um, yeah, I think it's, it's from the moment you have that first conversation or first interaction with somebody um, to start talking about what your organization does till hopefully till they join, you know, and what that all looks like and everything, you know, that, that goes into it. And um, it's important, you know, because if you're not getting that good candidate experience. It's a, it's a reflection on your company. It's a reflection on me personally. And, you know, you got to do things the right way because it doesn't, doesn't take much in our industry for the word to sort of travel, right? And, and um, you want to give, give people um, the best experience possible. I've said this many times in different shapes and forms, but candidates are basically an organization's field-based sales team, an extension mm. of their field-based sales team, whether you like it or not. Right. And those, especially those that you don't end up hiring, can either be your greatest asset or your greatest deficit, depending on how you treat them. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you're right, it is a small world and people, people talk. And so there's a stat out there. I don't want to be quoted on the exact number because I could be wrong, but it's around 56% of people say, as of late, say that they will drop out of a process if they're not treated well. Mm. As far as the candidate experience, fifty six percent. It could be fifty seven. It could be fifty two. It's around there. It's crazy. Either way, that's that's a big yeah. number, and big I believe number. it. And and so clearly, this is an item of importance to people that are going through the process. They want to be treated with respect. They want feedback. They want to have a streamlined approach. Tell me if you would. You know, you've been with Annika. What is it now? Three years or more? Yeah, we're coming up on four years. This January will be four wow. years. Good for you, man. So you've got some history to, to speak from. Where do you think you, Annika, has been from a, a candidate approach, candidate experience compared to where you're at now and maybe some of the things that you guys are thinking about as you move forward? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll give you a little bit of background on, on Annika too while we're sort of talking about it because I think it'll help yeah. you know, set the stage for what we're doing. So I, when I started here, 
like I said, just under four years ago, you know, we were a small company and we still are a small company now. At that time, we were about 100 employees. So small, small company, uh, all things considered. And, you know, the area that we were focusing then in terms of products was more of that osteoarthritis, joint pain management space, you know, so something we've done very well for 30 years almost at this point. Since then, we've acquired two companies. So going back to February of 2020, we acquired two companies. We acquired a company called Parks Medical. They're down in Sarasota, Florida. And then um, another company called Arthrosurface, which is up here in Massachusetts. They're based in Franklin, Mass. So busy couple of years for us, you know, with acquisitions. I think three years later, uh, three weeks later, excuse me, COVID hit, you know. So it was a sort of this perfect storm, um, if you will, of, of events where you have to integrate two companies um, while you can't travel, you know, you can't really do anything from like a face-to-face interaction standpoint. So, you know, that in itself was challenging because you're still hiring. We're still hiring during that time to to give a good candidate experience, right? And to, you know, adjust. We didn't have, you know, Annika was a very old school sort of setup in terms of technology. We didn't have all the, you know, teams and Zooms and everything put in place. And a lot of companies probably didn't either, you know, for when this all hit to say, hey, we're just going to business as usual. We can do interviews virtually now. So there was a lot that went into it and, and a credit to our senior leadership team and IT and everyone, you know, it was a team effort to get us to this point. Um but that all ties into sort of that experience, right? And we're a 330 person company now, you know, today. So we've more than tripled in size since I started yeah. here. And I think when you grow like that, um, some things can fall to the wayside, right? And I think we've done a good job of making sure that people get the right experience still. And uh, it's different now, you know, and, and uh, I think the virtual world that we live in, everything that COVID has brought on, we're starting to get some more on-site interviews with a little bit more regularity. So those have a little bit of a different dynamic uh, when you're interviewing and you get to meet people in person. But, you know, there's, I would say the majority of our interviews are still virtually done, you know, mm-hmm. so we're, we're interviewing, we're hiring, we're making offers, we're onboarding people virtually in a lot of, a lot of our positions. So that changes a lot of things and you need to sort of adapt to that. And I think you probably have to focus on that candidate experience a little bit more because it's easy to sort of just let it, let it run its course. Right. And, you know, someone's not going to have those warm and fuzzies coming into Annika when it's just like, I've met with a couple of people through video. So we've looked at a lot of that. And, and yeah, you know, at the end of the day, there's, there's only so much that you can do through video, but you know, I think the constant contact with somebody throughout a, an interview process, more often than not, I'm the first person that someone's talking to when they come in here, right? So yep. I've got to do a, a better job of, you know, sort of setting the expectations, talking about the company, talking about the organization, because they're basing their decisions off of maybe a 30, 40 minute phone call with me if this is something that they want to pursue further, you know, and explore mm-hmm. further. Um, so a lot of it starts with me, you know, in that that initial conversation. So I think, you know, setting a you know, setting the stage for, for what's to come here at Annika, the opportunity, the company, all those things. So it's a work in progress. I think we've done a lot recently because we are a bigger company where, you know, the onboarding experience is something that I think about now and what we've done recently from an onboarding standpoint to get people in the door and, you know, get them feeling good, right? When they come on board here, whether that's on site or whether it's virtually, right? So I think that onboarding day one, week one, setting expectations, there were things we probably weren't doing as much of when we were a hundred person company, but now 
we're still hiring, you know, um, like crazy. You, you know, you Anthony Michael Group is partnered with us. You guys see what we're doing here. It's we're in a very aggressive growth period, and um, we're going to continue to hire. And and um, we need to, I think, bring people on the right way, right, and give them the, yeah. the best possible experience. Is there anything that you can point to in particular, you know, over the last couple of years from the front end standpoint that you do, you are intentional about doing differently now than you were doing within the recruitment process? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the I hate to keep bringing things back to COVID, but I think now be, the biggest thing is sort of flexibility in the hybrid environment that we're all in. I think focusing on that flexibility and that we're, we're a company that wants to be respectful of, of that situation and giving people flexibility. Now, I think a lot of depending on the job that you're in sort of dictates a little bit more if you need to be on site, if you can be remote, no sort of things. But I think, you know, just talking about what the company has gone through, um, the changes that we've made, this transformation that we've gone through, you know, and in, in sort of focusing on that that flexibility that company has from a an employee standpoint to bring people on here and do things the right way. You know, Joe, one of the biggest frustrations that uh, candidates have is the lack of feedback when it comes to where they stand within the recruitment process or the length of time it takes to get through a process. I can appreciate your position, especially when when you came on, you know, 100 employees, now you've tripled in size. Your talent acquisition department couldn't have been that big at the time. You've got all these recs to worry about, all these people to coordinate with. How do you balance that? How do you make it a priority to figure out how to get back to people um, and really keep that reputation intact? Yeah, that's always a tricky one, right? Because you want to, um, I think, the reality is you probably can't follow up with every single person that applies. I mean, and, and you're in contact. The people that you're in contact with, I think you need to do the best you can to to follow up with them, right? And whether that's to share good news, bad news, or something in between, um, you know, I think the communication and constant contact with candidates is so critical because going back to your previous point earlier about, you know, the small industry and network that we're in, it doesn't take much, right? You think about, you know, six degrees of separation. It's more like one degree of separation in, in the world that we're in now. Massachusetts isn't a very big state. It's not a big market. We've expanded that, right? Florida, we have a, mm-hmm. a, a satellite office that's in Indiana. So a lot of what Annika has done has grown, but the people, everyone seems to know everybody, right? So I think you need to do all the right things and getting that feedback to candidates is important. And I think people appreciate it, even if it's not the best feedback, right? They want to know one way or another, am I moving forward in this process? If I'm not, why? Some people ask why. I think a lot of people just want to know one way or another, right? I think uh, some people will follow up and want specific feedback so that they can, you know, make the changes that, that they need to, right, for another opportunity. Um, right. Maybe it's something they did in an interview. Is it a skill set that they don't have? You know, so that instructive feedback, I think, is is important because I hopefully they come here and hopefully everything works out here at Annika and, and uh, you know, they're happy with that that new opportunity. But if they don't, they move, off, move on to something else. I want to be able to help them, right, with that other opportunity too. And if I can give that feedback, I, I try to, right? And, and uh, I think it's easier with people, say you have three or five people that are, that are in process on an interview to follow up with all of them. You know, if you've got all these applicants, right, that are coming into some positions have, hundreds of applicants, right? So that are that are coming in and, you know, you can't take everybody through a process. It's, it's uh, you know, that's not the reality of, of hiring and recruiting, but, you know, you do the best you can to, to respond to everybody and um, treat people the way you would want to be treated. You know, I put myself into, into a job seeker shoes every day because I've been one before. And, you know, how would I want to be 
communicated with, right? And and I try to implement some of those things here in our processes, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it's easier said than done. You know, I'm not saying here and, and uh, sitting here saying we've got it all figured out, but, um, you know, it's as simple as that, you know, treat people the way you, you want to be treated. How long would you say on average your hiring process is taking from start to finish once a candidate is in play? Yeah, it depends on the role. I think, you know, higher level positions typically are longer. You know, I think um, sometimes interviewing at that point and getting everyone's availability can be the, the most challenging part in in a hiring process. You know, if yeah. you've got a, you know, a high level position, executive director, VP level type role where, you know, CEO, CFO, those folks are all involved. It's hard to get them all in, into one room, if you will. Now, I will say that's one thing that COVID has helped with, with the virtual world is you can kind of spread interviews out right over a couple of days, a week, um, that first round if, if you need to. But I would say our interview process for a, you know, a mid-level individual contributor type role, we can get through that and, and make a decision in a week. You know, I think if we've, if we have found a candidate and we found someone that we're excited about, we can do all that. We can have them in, say, on a, a Monday or a Tuesday, we have our regroup and our debrief meetings on a Wednesday or Thursday. By the end of the week, we can hopefully get a, a verbal offer out to somebody. So that's um, awesome. That's what I'm trying to do. It doesn't yeah. always work out that way. And you know, much as I do, it's, it's, um, things change, you know, far too much and far too often here in our world. So you do the best you can to, to keep that momentum moving forward. But like you said, you have other candidates that are probably in the mix during that time too. And you want to keep them engaged too, yep. right? And yep. keep them warm because things might not work out. If you have a top choice, things might not work out with candidate A, right? And not that you're settling, but you could have a, a really strong candidate B. And, and um, yeah, so I think that's where that constant contact comes into play, where you get to you got to be in touch with people and there's only so much time in the day, but you got to do the best you can with emails and phone calls, whatever that may be, just to, mm-hmm. to, uh, to keep people engaged. Has there been any particular feedback that you've gotten from candidates who have gone through your process, either that you ended up not hiring, but they, you know, they commented on your, on the process or people that you've hired and kind of did a look back with them and they're like, Hey, you know, when I was being recruited here, I, I really appreciated X, Y, Z, or I was frustrated by, you know. EF? Yeah. So the feedback I think has been really positive for me and what I've seen recently. You know, I think there's always room for improvement, right? There's ways to sort of tweak your process and what you're doing. I think one of the challenges that I have here that sometimes people can be a little bit taken back with is we still are a small company. And when you're, when you're a smaller company, it's very cross-functional, right? You interview with a lot of different areas of the business. So you could have someone that's interviewing for a, a clinical role, right? That's meeting with the legal team, with finance, with clinical, with regulatory. So they're meeting with six or seven or eight different people, right? And so I think that can be a little bit of a, um, a take back for some people, depending on the role. If it's a high level role, I think people understand that, you know, they're going to be longer processes. There are more people to meet with, but, but it's good for us, but it's also really good for a candidate to meet with those people because they're going to interact with them. You know, it's, it's yep. uh, every role that we have here, it's very cross-functional and uh, you're going to interact with a lot of different areas of our business. So it is, it's important that you're meeting with those people and it's beneficial for, for those people to, um, you know, to, to have that interaction. And, but I think that's, that's some feedback that I've gotten recently, you know, negative or just sort of constructive criticism that some of our processes are, can be a little bit longer just in terms of the actual people 
that you're meeting with. So that can sometimes lengthen a, an interview process. But where we can tweak that, we do. And we try to button it up as, as much as we can. And sometimes you, you know, you buddy people up in an interview too, right? If there's, you know, time constraints or things like that. So you got to be flexible, you know, because it's, uh, I think, a candidate driven market that we're in right now. And, and uh, we're aware of that. And we get to do the right things to, um, you know, to be respectful of people's time as well, because they're probably interviewing for other opportunities too. And, and uh, if we're here, you know, having them meet with seven, eight people and company B is having them meet with two or three people and they can make their decision in a day, we could be left hanging, right? And uh, yeah. shooting ourselves in the foot, wondering what could we do differently? And maybe that was it. Maybe we, we shorten up that interview process. So you're always it sounds learning. like you guys are, you're very cognizant of what's working and what's not and trying to make tweaks where you can and where it makes sense for the business. You mentioned something earlier about you or your team in talent acquisition basically being the gateway to the organization and how it's such a critical initial conversation to either help get some hooks into the person as far as their interest level moving forward with the company or to potentially lose them and they fall off the hook. Do you see a difference between candidate experience and talent attraction? Yeah, I think it's a good question. And, and uh, you know, I think that candidate experience is more of once someone starts, you know, conversations with me or that interview process, I think I think candidate experience ties into talent attraction, you know, but I think the experience doesn't actually start until they've talked to me, right? Or maybe they've gone to our website, you know, they've gone to our website, they start to look at what we're doing, you know, uh, they're looking at our senior leadership team, they're looking at our products, the impact that, you know, our products have on, on people's lives, the quality of life people are getting through our products. So I think the attraction and the experience are all sort of mixed in, you know, with each other. But I think the candidate experience truly starts when, you know, they've taken an interest in Annika and they start to do their research. And then that first step with me is is probably their first part of that candidate experience. You know, I think it's then- mixed in too. I think it's mixed in too, because I was going to say, you know, I always say, think about what if organizations put the same amount of effort into their talent acquisition process, the recruitment experience, the can experience that they do with their sales force trying to court prospective clients, right? And I think that it's the talent attraction piece is part of the experience and the candidate experience throughout the thing keeps them attracted. Yep. But I really do think they go hand in hand. Yeah, they do. And, um, you know, it's, it's more important now than it, than it ever has been, I think, from from both standpoints, the, the, the candidate experience, the talent attraction, you know, I think people are looking at companies and what they do and, you know, DE&I initiatives and, and all those different things that are, are so important, right, in the world that, that we're in today and, um, and as they should be, right? You, all that starts with what we're doing as an organization, right? And then we're able to, to sort of put that into a careers page, right? Or a website, or we put it into our discussions and those conversations that we're having. So, you know, it's not just all about recruiting and hiring and, and my process and our process from a TA standpoint. It's a business commitment, right? It's an Annika commitment. And, uh, you know, it's not just one person or a couple individuals. It's a team effort. And fortunate, we've got a very, uh, very good team and a strong team here that's committed to everything that we're doing. And, um, I think it's paying off for us right now. I'm so glad you said that about the team effort. Do you guys have conversations internally uh, about the hiring process as a whole? And, and let me clarify, you know, there's so much, I think, disconnect across so many different companies that I've talked to over the years where hiring managers are all over talent acquisition. They get candidates. 
talent acquisition gets the candidates and the hiring managers say they're too busy to interview the candidates. The candidates fall by the wayside and they go take a different job. The hiring manager's upset again because they still have their position open. TA's frustrated because they did what they were supposed to do. And the hiring manager, you know, do you guys have communication? Uh, really like candid conversations about like, look, we need to work together. This market is moving way too quickly. And if we're not in sync, we're going to lose. Yeah. No, it's, it's a really good point. And it's, those are conversations I've had throughout my career, right? With, with hiring managers. And I think the emphasis on it now is so critical because of the environment that we're in. You know, we've all heard about this great recession that we've been a part of and sort of gone through. And I think we're still going through in some ways, but it's a, it's a very candidate driven market. I've said that before. And it's my job as, as a, as a recruiter, as someone that's leading our talent acquisition function to educate our hiring managers, right? Educate our senior leadership team on what's going on out there, what we're seeing candidates being on the market for a day, right? If someone's right now, if somebody is, is really good at what they do and they're active in their job search, they can find something pretty quick, right? There's, there's a lot of opportunity that's out there for somebody. So we need to be reactive and responsive to that. Um, and know that if we find somebody good, we got to move quick, right? So I'm always, I'm having those conversations and I know that there's a lot of buy-in throughout the organization to know and knowing that we've got to move quick when we, when we have candidates that are in process, not just for Annika's sake for, you know, getting that person on board here. But I think you want to be respectful of them too, because they're probably going through this process along with a couple others, right? And you don't want to drag somebody along or leave them hanging. So it is, it's, it's a team, it's a team commitment, you know, hiring is, and it starts with TA. And I think we're, we're um, sort of spearheading a lot of that, but if you don't have responsive hiring managers or it's taken a while to get things scheduled, it's not going to work, you know? So those are definitely conversations we're having on a regular basis. And I think we've got some really good buy-in, you know, from leadership, from management. And, uh, you know, I think we're seeing the results of that buy-in with, the success that we've had as a company for the last few years. Yeah. Well, I know a variety of folks over there personally, and I know for a fact you guys are building an all-star team and huge kudos to what you guys have done, especially over the last couple of years and the amount of rapid growth that you uh, have have um, achieved as far as both organically as well as these acquisitions. And we've got nothing but the utmost respect for, for you and um, how you're trying to lead talent acquisition. So I really appreciate you being here. Anything, uh, last words that you want to say about Annika or what's going on there or what you're excited about coming up? Yeah, I think I just think it's um, Annika and I look at where we were when I first started here, you know, being that smaller 100 person company to where we are now and what we've done to get to this point. There's been a lot of challenges, but there's been a lot of reward along the way too. This is a, it's a great company with a really, really bright future. I think I look at where we want to be, right? In that sort of strategic plan, five-year strategic plan, it, there's going to be more challenges to, you know, along the way to get us to where we want to be, but even more reward, right? When we do get there. So I think from an opportunity standpoint, from a company standpoint, anyone that's looking at, uh, you know, looking at companies and what they're doing and an exciting organization to come to, you're going to have an opportunity to make an impact right away at this organization. And, and for me, you know, working for a company like this with the leadership that we have, the recognition that we give all our employees, it's just, a, it's an incredible place to get up and come into work every day. And, you know, we're looking forward to uh, more success, you know, in, in years to come here. Right on. Well, we wish you guys nothing but the best and really appreciate you being on the show, Joe. Yeah, Mitch. And you guys, um, you know, AMG has been a great partner of ours too, right? And, and we appreciate all the work that you've done and, you know, you've helped us grow. 
along the way as well. So we wouldn't be here without it, the AMG group either and appreciate the uh, the partnership, the relationship that we've had with you guys. And yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to come on board here too. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for saying that. We, we obviously value you guys and uh, glad to hear that. So thank you. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for listening to the MedTech Talent Lab podcast. For more content-rich episodes, log on to theanthonymichaelgroup.com or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform.